How the World Ought to Work Written by D.G. Laderoot Read by Houston Miller Sepun-san, Akoto Totori asked, Why exactly are we here? A restrained patience tightened Sepun Ishikawa's reply, like he was answering a child. Once again, Akoto-san, we are going to meet someone. Totori narrowed his eyes. He'd been to the Higashikawa district perhaps one other time in his life, but was put off by its freewheeling, garish, commercial character. The racket of street vendors and merchants, hawking what struck him as mostly junk, clamored around them. At least the rabble was good at distracting itself, barely glancing at the two of them, apparently unremarkable ronin in drab kimonos and broad, conical straw hats. Toturi kept his gaze on Ishikawa. He was tempted to simply command him to stop being so enigmatic and actually answer the damned question. Being the Emerald Champion, he could do that. But he didn't, because it might upset their fragile, not friendship, relationship at best. In the past three weeks, that relationship had settled into an equilibrium, albeit one as delicate as dragonfly wings. The fact was, Totori needed Ishikawa. The Sepun provided him a window into the politics and bureaucracy of the imperial court, one he wouldn't otherwise have, at least as long as he sought to anonymously track his would-be assassins. Three weeks had also given them no leads beyond ruling out a few, admittedly unlikely, perpetrators. Ishikawa slowed as a crowd spilled out of a shabby sake house called Bitter Oblivion, the resulting commotion gave Toturi a chance to lean close to the Sepun and speak. I would know where you are taking us, Sepun-san, and do not tell me, yet again, it is to meet someone. Toturi glanced around. This part of the city is reputed to be a haven for criminals. Which is true, Ishikawa shot back. We are meeting with one of those very criminals, in fact. He may have information of value to us. We... Totori blinked. Why are we meeting with a criminal? How do you even know such a... Akoto-san, please. This is not a conversation suited for the street. Totori scowled again. He was more than tired of being treated like an errant, annoying boy, and was about to say so. But another voice, loud and slurred by alcohol, cut him off. You, Bayushi, owe me an answer. I owe you nothing, Kikita. Now, I await your apology. Otherwise, I will give you something, indeed, the edge of my blade. The crowd that had tumbled out of bitter oblivion had encircled two speakers. They'd squared off as though to duel, each with a hand on his katana. It might have been a moment of high drama, if not for the way each wobbled on their feet, their words slurred and much too loud. Snickers from the onlookers didn't help nor did the fact some were now taking bets. Totori watched, but Ishikawa leaned in and said, 
Makoto-san, this has nothing to do with us. Let us just carry on. Totori nodded. It was exceedingly unlikely either of these samurai had permission from their lord to risk their lives in a clash of steel, especially one carried out in a grubby street, fueled by alcohol, anger, and the urgings of drunken onlookers. But Ishikawa, he had to reluctantly admit, was right. This wasn't their affair. He started to turn away. It is you who needs to apologize, Bayushi, the Kikita barked. Apologize for your entire clan, honorless dogs, all of you. Dogs and... and opportunists, usurpers even. Totori turned back. How dare you, the Bayushi growled back. You have one chance to apologize for the slur you have cast on me, my clan, and my esteemed champion, who is owed your loyalty as the Son of Heaven proclaimed... The Son of Heaven? He dies, and then an edict appears, claiming your esteemed champion is regent. Yes, how convenient that is. Ishikawa's voice hissed into Tori's ear. Akoto-san, we must go. The Bayushi drew his katana with a steely rasp. The only apology I will accept now, Kikita, is your blood wetting this street. An excited murmur rippled through the crowd, another as the Kikita drew his blade. Totori ignored Ishikawa and stepped through the crowd, putting himself between the two. Put away your swords, he said, before you further dishonor yourselves and your clans. Stunned silence. The stark reality of what he'd just done slammed into Totori, like a thunderbolt from Osano Wo. Such a command, uttered by the Emerald Champion of Rokugan, would have driven them all to drop in abject obeisance and press their faces into the dirt. Uttered by Totori the apparent ronin, though. The Kikita almost sputtered with outrage. You, you dare to meddle in the affairs of your betters, wave man? You dare! The Bayushi just gaped in furious disbelief. The Kikita swung at Totori, a blow that would have decapitated him. Totori dodged, then swept out his own sword and deflected the next blow from the Kikita, and the next. He desperately sought out Ishikawa, but the seppun was nowhere to be seen. Steel rang as the Kikita struck yet again, and again he deflected the blow. Totori's mind raced. Aside from swallowing his pride and simply fleeing, he had no idea how to end this. He had to keep dodging and deflecting the drunken strikes, or else strike back and possibly kill the man, which he didn't want to do. Nor could he likely talk his way out of it. His words, even if offered in righteous support of the emperor, the regent, and the edict he himself had written, would mean virtually nothing coming from a ronin. And now the Bayushi closed in as well, sword raised, fury blazing across his face. Out of my way! Now! Move aside! Voice thundering, Ishikawa pushed into the fray, his seppun mon glowing white against his green kimono. The crowd immediately scattered, suddenly and intensely interested in other things. The Kikita and Bayushi both spun around, swords raised, then hastily lowered. Both bowed awkwardly, the Bayushi staggering and almost toppling over. But Ishikawa ignored them, instead grabbing Totori's arm. I am Seppun Ishikawa, commander of the Imperial Guard. You, Ronin, presume to threaten these honored samurai? I think not. Now put away your sword, you are under arrest. 
with a hard yank ishikawa unceremoniously pulled toturi away ishikawa once more garbed as a ronin stopped at a bench in the street of possibilities and nodded towards a tea house named fortune's rest that is our destination akoto-san inside you are likely to witness things that are by any standard of civilized society certainly immoral and quite possibly also illegal his hard gaze bore into totori's please tell me now if you intend to pursue each of these sundry wrongs as an imperial offense if so you should probably wait out here totori met ishikawa's glare with one of his own he had to put effort into it though he was angry at ishikawa for arresting him yes but he was angrier with himself for creating the situation that made it necessary and toturi had to admit it had been a clever way of diffusing something that could have become ugly still he couldn't put aside the thought that the seppun having revealed himself should have at least chastised the kakita for his subversive words that such a thing would be said so openly in a street in the imperial capital i am the emerald champion who as you may recall is the chief magistrate of rokugan toturi said that is true okoto-sama ishikawa shot back but as you may recall you are also in disguise as a ronin in order to remain inconspicuous intervening in every petty transgression we encounter would seem to undermine that would it not toturi opened his mouth but the seppun went on it would also make us more egregiously late for our meeting within this tea-house so i will ask you again will you keep your focus on the business at hand once we go inside or will you wait out here totori glared at the seppun infuriated at his brusqueness at the way he kept interrupting at his general lack of respect but ishikara just glared right back what especially galled totori was that ishikawa was again right choking back his indignation he finally nodded i will accompany you and if we happen upon a murder in progress rest assured i will remain a bemused bystander perhaps i will even place a wager upon it it would have been a biting retort in court spoken here in a grubby alley totori's sarcasm just flopped into the muck and lay there like something dead ishikawa sniffed and turned away the interior of the tea-house belied its shabby exterior tastefully lit by delicate lanterns toturi saw patrons kneeling at polished tables set with passably elegant tea services the air held a soft warm smell as they walked through the place both earthy and spicy he felt eyes on them and sure enough saw at least two transgressions of imperial law along the way one involving illicit opium the other an exchange of what were obviously travel papers between two samurai neither of whom were likely magistrates gritting his teeth toturi just walked on following ishikawa they reached the back of the tea-house where a heyman woman knelt arranging a freshly cleaned tea service on a tray ishikawa returned her bow then said i have a longing for golden pearls blend and i wish for my companion to try moonlit snow toturi had never heard of either of these tea blends before but the woman bowed again stood and led them through a silk curtain then up a narrow flight of stairs she paused at the top to tap gently on a door which slid open a handspan she repeated ishikawa's request then moved aside 
The woman who'd opened the door, clearly a ronin, eyed them warily, but gestured for them to enter. Inside, Satori saw a wiry man, with wrinkled skin and white hair kneeling at a table. He wore a plain brown kimono. A steaming cup of tea, several documents, and a brush and ink set were neatly arranged before him. The room's surprisingly restrained opulence made Totori think of much finer places. The decor, from artful shoji screens to an impeccably tendered bonsai tree, wouldn't have been out of place in his own home. The old man smiled and gestured at cushions set before the table. Please, my friends, be comfortable. Asuga, please have the tea my esteemed guests requested brought to them. The ronin woman bowed, gave them a final, hard look, then departed. Now then, the old man said. Seppun-sama, I know, of course. And you must be the esteemed emerald champion, he bowed deeply. This unworthy one is Tamanegi, who sits in awe of your most honored presence. Totori shot Ishikawa a stunned look, but quickly erased it and turned back to the old man. And the Emerald Champion is, in turn, most grateful for your unexpected hospitality, Tamanegi-san. Tamanegi raised a thin, pale hand. Please, Okoto-sama, your secret is eminently safe here. That is correct, Ishikawa said. Tamanegi-san and I have an... He looked at the old man. Understanding. Indeed we do. Toturi allowed a scowl to leak through his composure, a signal of his displeasure he hoped Ishikawa couldn't miss. He was starting to feel as though he'd begun tumbling down a hill, couldn't stop himself, and kept falling ever faster instead. Tamanegi, Toturi finally said, anxious to gain some measure of control. Onion. That is an unusual name. The old man smiled beatifically. But a particularly appropriate one, if I may say so. Now that the pleasantries have been exchanged, Ishikawa interjected, let us get to the business at hand. He turned to Totori. You say you were attacked by Shinobi. I have asked Tamanegi-san to determine if anyone entered into a contract with Shinobi open to such dealings. How would he know such a thing? Totori asked. If anyone does, it would be him. I appreciate your confidence in me, Seppun-sama, Tamanegi said, but his smile faded. Sadly, despite extensive investigation, I can report no such arrangements have been made. If Shinobi were contracted for the blasphemous purpose of harming the Emerald Champion, there is no indication of it whatsoever. How certain are you of that? Ishikawa asked. If one presumes that only the most highly regarded and capable shinobi would even be considered for such a vile undertaking, then I am very certain. There are relatively few of those, and they are all accounted for during the time in question. They paused as the Heyman woman who'd led them upstairs entered with their tea. When she was gone, Totori narrowed his eyes at Ishikawa. Are you satisfied with the stunning insights we have gained here, Seppun-san? The Seppun sipped his tea. You really should try yours, Okoto-sama. Moonlit snow is an excellent blend. Toturi did, if only because the customs of hospitality dictated it. It just annoyed him further that it was, in fact, excellent. He sipped again, then put the cup down. 
Before he could speak, though, Ishikawa placed his own cup on the table and stood. Unfortunately, Tamanegi-san, we have other pressing business. Until next time, I know, of course, where to find you. Something briefly hardened Tamanegi's wrinkled face. Anger? Resentment? Totori wasn't sure, but it was already gone, replaced once more by that blandly pleasant smile. Of course you do, Sapunsama. May the fortunes not disfavor you. Ishikawa actually smiled at the thinly veiled ill wish, then led the way back to the street of possibilities. Toturi kept his silence for a single block, then could restrain himself no longer and stepped into another dingy alley. Ishikawa glanced back, sighed, and joined him. I assume it is now time for you to be outraged at my dealings with Tamanegi, he said. How can you associate with such a creature? He is a vile criminal, yes, and a powerful one. Probably the most powerful and influential Enoda Sanuchi, in fact. Toturi stared. And you simply accept that? There would seem to be little point in doing otherwise. How can you be so flippant about this, Sepunsan? That man should be held to account for what is no doubt a multitude of crimes. So we should have arrested him, then. At the very least, you should not be in league with him. Toturi took a step away, then back. You not only turned a blind eye to blatant wrongdoing, you exploit it. And for what? The sake of expediency? Do you know what your problem is, Okoto-san? Ishikawa snapped. You have lived your life apart from the world. First, in the rigid construct of honor that is the Lion Clan. Then, in the cloistered confines of a monastery. And now, in the splendid isolation of the Forbidden City. This has allowed you to keep your honor pristine, but it has also made you idealistic, to the point of naivety. So a dedication to a life of honor is naive now? It is a luxury, like those rare blends of tea, something in which one can indulge, but that sometimes one must simply do without. Toturi sniffed. I believe you when you say that, Sepun-san, that you actually do consider fine tea and honor to be interchangeable. Ishikawa just shook his head. How do you believe the Imperial Guard functions, Okoto-sama? By standing about, looking menacing, and hoping that is enough? He shook his head. No, we are proactive. We seek to deal with threats to the Emperor before they even skulk within sight of the Forbidden City. Dealing with such creatures as Tamanegi is part of such proactivity. Almost nothing happens in the city without him knowing about it. And, therefore, without me knowing about it. That is just an elaborate way of saying that you have no difficulty sacrificing your honor for results. If the result is protecting the Emperor and his family, then you are absolutely right. You sound like a scorpion. Oh, you mean the clan whose champion the Emperor saw fit to name as his regent? Totori glared, but Ishikawa's retort left him without words. There is a bitter truth, Okoto-san, Ishikawa went on. There is how the world ought to work, and then there is the way it does. If you insist on clinging to the first, the second will dance about you like a swordmaster, and eventually cut you down. Toturi let out a slow breath. 
how could you even trust what this Tom and Maggie tells you? Because he knows what I know. And what is that? Every detail of his organization and every change he makes to it. It is information his competitors would dearly love to have. How could you possibly know such a thing? Maya Satoshi provides me with such knowledge, and in return, I provide him with certain information that, from time to time, comes into my possession. Toturi once more shook his head in disbelief. Maya Satoshi? The Imperial Herald knows the detailed internal workings of a criminal syndicate here in the Imperial Capital. He does. And how does he know? I have no idea, nor do I care to. Taturi thought about pressing at the stunned revelation that the Maya family daimyo apparently traded illicit information with the commander of the Imperial Guard, but his capacity for disbelief had become saturated. Instead, he simply gave up and sighed. I must return to Kaede, at the safe house, Taturi said. I shall meet you tomorrow, at the start of the Hour of the Dragon, so we can proceed with whatever is next. At the mention of Kaede, Ishikawa's face tightened, but he simply nodded and walked away. It shamed Toturi that the seppun's reaction to naming Kaede had felt so... satisfying. But it also felt like the only time he'd held any sort of advantage over Ishikawa at all today. Kaede poured tea, a customary lion blend, and said, The conclusion, then is that these shinobi that attacked you were not mercenaries. So the implication is that the attack was at the direction of a clan. Toturi sipped at the tea. It was familiar and... fine. Good, even. But not as good as moonlit snow. And that just annoyed him all over again. He put the cup down and looked at his wife kneeling across the table. That is one possibility, yes. And another would be? I... Do not know. He rubbed his eyes and sighed. Moreover, all of the clans have access to Shinobi. Another report from Mikoma Ujiaki. This one detailing Crane efforts to retake Kayudin Kikita. Matsusuko had seized the castle shortly after also seizing the Lion Clan Championship. That was something else Totori knew he had to address, but only once he had resolved the matter of the attack on him, one way or another. Until then, he must not let it distract him. But that didn't mean it wasn't possibly relevant. All of the clans, he went on, includes my own. Kaede raised an eyebrow. You suspect Suko. Considering her father was killed in a covert attack by the Phoenix, I would be surprised. Toturi had to nod. No, you are right. When the time comes, Suko would, will, Confront me openly. This was not her. That said, one clan does stand apart from the others in their use of shinobi. The scorpion, yes. But what would Shoju's motivation be? I wrote the edict that named him regent. I can vouch for its legitimacy. Killing me, it makes no sense. And yet, Toturi couldn't wholly dismiss the thought, either. The slurred words of the Kakita blustering in the street clung to him like stubborn cobwebs. The son of heaven! He dies, and then an edict appears, claiming your esteemed champion as regent. Yes, how convenient that is! 
again, nothing but a foolish, sake-fueled rant, because, again, Toturi had written the edict himself. He knew better. And yet, the Scorpion were ever all about subtle, layered schemes. Could the Kikita's drunken words contain a kernel of truth? Could Shoju have some end game Toturi simply could not see? You are tired, my husband, Kaede said. Sleep strengthens not only the body, but also the mind. Toturi replied, I know, but made no effort to move. Of course, Kaede said. Speaking one's mind can also be helpful. He gave a wan smile. I am caught on the events of the day, like the sleeve of a kimono on a stubborn twig. All of the progress we made today was due to Ishikawa's blatant pragmatism. My determination to do what was right and honorable only seemed to get in the way. He sighed again. Is Ishikawa right? Have I led such a sheltered life that I am just a naive idealist? Kaede shook her head empathetically. No. Your commitment to Bushido is a strength, not a weakness. But then she shrugged. However, there are many types of strength. Wielding a sword requires skillful judgment to select when to strike, but also physical power to deliver a telling blow. So you are saying Ishikawa is right. Better to say he is not necessarily wrong. But you need not solely take my word for it. After all, the Tao says, Men know how the world ought to work. Then they see the way it really does, and ask, Why are these things different? Toturi looked at his wife startled how her words echoed Ishikawa's. I do not remember that passage from the Tao. I do not believe anyone knows, or even can know, the entirety of the Tao, she replied. I only just recalled that passage myself. Perhaps the nature of Shinsei's wisdom is such that it comes to us when we need it. And do you believe those words, my wife? Are you also a pragmatist at heart? I am many things at heart she said, smiling. In this, though, it would seem Ishikawa-san and I are of a like mind. And I am not, Toturi's thoughts finished. But what he said was, Indeed. In any case, I believe I shall heed your advice and take to bed. Will you join me? Soon, Kaede said. I wish to meditate upon the events of the day, including these things you have told me. Toturi finished his tea, once more finding it Adequate. He kissed his wife and prepared for bed. As he lay on the futon, the events of the day kept marching through his mind. They strode quickly, though, as though rushing to a particular place. It would seem Ishikawa-san and I are of a like mind. And now she wished to meditate on those events, events that prominently included Seppun Ishikawa. He heard her words still, even when Kaede finally came to bed and he pretended to be asleep.